0: Rogue One. Rogue One?
1: There is no Rogue
0: One. Well, there is now.
1: Rogue One. Pulling away. Pulling away. Hello, folks, and welcome to another edition of Rogue One Radio. I am one half of your host team, Steve Long, and with me, as always, is Charlie Kirby. How are you doing today?
0: Uh, doing great. How are you?
1: Um great. I had a good uh Star Wars week of uh reading and playing and watching.
0: <laughs> uh, well it's all ramping up right now.
1: It definitely is. We are we are recording on Sunday, December first. We are now eighteen days away from the rise of Skywalker. Um so yes, we're very excited to be ready for the next edition of the Skywalker Saga. Um, so, uh, starting off, uh, why don't we go ahead and go through where people can find us on the social media.
0: Yep, you can uh, follow the show's Twitter at Rogue, uh, Numeral one radio Follow Steve at Otter. 272 you can follow me at charles pdk Uh, you can follow the show on facebook at facebook.com slash rogue numeral one radio and you can also uh email us if you have any questions comments want to yell at us feeling real (laughs) angry i love to read it uh rogue one radio pod all spelled out at Gmail com.
1: Yeah, I also like to hear what other people's opinions are on on the list that we put together. Um, like like last week, I sent out a message on our, uh, or did a tweet on our our on our Twitter of uh, other people and what their top uh, or their favorite eu legends characters were and i got a few responses back so uh later on in the show we're going to uh tell you what next week's um list will be so if you want to email us with your uh what your favorite uh favorites were of of what we're going to discuss next week um feel free to email us and we'll um maybe we'll talk about it on the show Get, get some impressions of uh, everybody else's favorites. Uh, so, Charlie, what is new in Star Wars this week?
0: Well, we're getting bombarded with uh, TV clips, uh, retrospectives on the series, all sorts, all the stuff you expect leading up to the, the weeks right before the big movie comes out. Yeah. But uh, I think we're going <clears> to <throat> focus on a interview that uh, J.J. Abrams did on Good Morning America. They covered some interesting stuff. Uh, First of all, we have a runtime now. Yes. Uh, It is two hours and 21 minutes. And there's only...
1: (laughs) Yeah, so not too far off of all the other ones, uh, the other sequel movies.
0: Yeah, a little shorter than The Last Jedi, but like, I think by 14 minutes or so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, six minutes longer than The Force Awakens. So uh, nothing really consequential. I think, yeah. I think that it's not a stunningly not stunningly short, uh, not shockingly long. Um, he also uh, revealed the first word again, if we remember. For The Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams revealed the first word of the movie then. Which was this. And things have changed up this time. Because now the first word for the last Star Wars Saga movie is. At. at. (laughs) It's at. 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 No AT. Just AT.
1: (laughs) At. Just at. (laughs) All right.
0: And then, oh, and he also, we also learned all about eBay script saga. So, I don't know if anyone is paying attention, but a script for uh, The Rise of Skywalker popped up on eBay for a short time. Uh, They were selling it for, I think, like $64 or something. Mm. And... It turns out it was John Boyega's script. Oh. He had he was uh moving apartments and he was hiding it under his bed. <laughs> while he was living there and then when he moved out, uh he he just left it there. Oops. There and the maid picked it up and whoever she passed it off to threw it up on eBay.
1: Okay. Well, it's uh good that they were able to get it back i'm assuming
0: yeah they're you're not allowed to uh sell something like that on ebay um but it's pretty interesting um i feel like man if if people who knew what they were doing had gotten hold of it
1: <laughs>
0: let's imagine what was his name during uh during the prequel era, when someone that was claiming to have a bunch of leaks. It's like Shadow. Uh,
1: oh, there a, yeah.
0: It was a really bad. Imagine if, like, uh, Mike Zero got a hold of that script. <laughs> I wonder if he would even. If he would even bother revealing the real stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but the next bit of news is that, uh,. The Mandalorian has topped out Stranger Things for the most on-demand TV show in streaming. Yeah. Uh, um, Stranger Things has been at the top for five months, and uh, The Mandalorian broke its streak.
1: Yeah, I don't know how surprised by that I am. I mean, I... Um, I, I've only watched the first season of uh, Stranger Things. I know my my uh, my son has watched all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean it was a good show. It's just not it wasn't something that really pulled me in. Um,
0: I I kind of felt I don't. Know we'll give our our quick hot takes on stranger things. I felt the first season accomplished what the show was and then season, the subsequent seasons were just uh kind of why are we still doing this, it felt to me. Yeah. But yeah. but people love it. Um it seems to have a similar sort of strong fan base as like when I look at like the walking dead fan base. Where people just, they love it. I think they'd eat up some uh, some spinoffs. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, I'm not surprised Mandalorian bumped it off either. I mean, there's a lot of people that are signing up for Disney Plus just for The Mandalorian. Yeah. I probably would have passed on it if it was just The Mandalorian on there. If it wasn't, The Mandalorian mm. wasn't on there, I mean...
1: Oh, yeah, uh, if The Mandalorian wasn't on there, I probably would not have got it.
0: Because I already have the movies. I have, you know, other ways to watch The Clone Wars. Yeah. There's usually streaming somewhere else. Maybe if I got, like, a kick to watch, like, The Clone Wars or the uh, uh Resistance, I might sign up for a time. Yeah. But... Yeah, so I'm uh and they don't have their Marvel T V shows on there yet either. No,
1: no, they don't.
0: And those are gonna be really big too.
1: Yeah, they are. Um oh. Yeah, I watched a uh last night I was watching a uh a show on on Disney Plus about the expanding the uh Marvel universe and and it's um you know, specifically for Disney Plus, so that was pretty interesting.
0: Did you learn anything interesting from that? Anything that might uh,
1: not cross really anything. Nah not not really anything new that I didn't already know. I guess. I mean, they mostly just talked about um, what was coming to Disney Plus, and all mm-hmm. of it I already knew. It was just kind of. Uh, Just the way they presented it, I guess, what made it interesting. Okay. Well,
0: um, yeah, we'll do... Maybe we'll look more at Disney Plus uh, in the future.
1: Yeah.
0: When they start having a lot more content on there.
1: Yeah, because, um, I mean, they've got other Star Wars stuff that's coming out, so there's... I mean, it just hasn't... Uh, yeah, it just hasn't gotten to that point. They're still testing the waters with uh Mandalorian, I think.
0: Yeah, I still really wish they had put the older Star Wars stuff on there. Yeah. Like I kind of understand. I don't know if they have I don't know if they have rights to like the Ewok movies and the really old like droids and Ewoks cartoon shows and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But uh I don't know. I feel like if you're if you're gonna be putting up like the 1984, like first CGI rendition stuff from Pixar. Mm -hmm. And I'd kind of like to see like the really old stuff from Star Wars that not a lot of people are familiar with.
1: Yeah. Same here.
0: But, uh, but I get like, they're protecting the brand. They want the good Disney stuff that they have. So, (laughs) yeah, but, uh, but that's all, that's all I had for news outside of speculating about where, uh, Rise of Skywalker, more.
1: Yeah, yeah. Not a, not a whole lot of news came out. It was mostly just like you were saying. It was mostly just TV sp- new TV spots. <clears throat> uh. uh. So where where's that bring us? So brings us to I guess uh, recap of chapter four of the Mandalorian.
0: Um, So what were your – before we go into like a full breakdown, what was your overall feelings on the episode?
1: Um, I liked the episode. Um, I wouldn't say it's been my favorite episode yet so far. Uh, I kind of think that episode three probably still holds that. Um, But the thing that really made this episode great in my opinion was that we finally got to see uh, uh Gina's character uh Gina Caruso yeah yeah, yeah and, she... and she she did she was I was really intrigued by her character uh Carano I didn't I I said Caruso I meant Corano. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah she she kind of um uh, what is her character's name? Cara Dune. Uh, her character really intrigued me, so I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing more of her character.
0: Yeah, me too. Um, I have yeah, I think I have similarly mixed feelings about the episode, mm-hmm. but there's definitely stuff that I really liked in there. Yeah. But, uh, but let's uh, let's talk about what happened in the episode real quick, and then we'll go into. Our sort of critiques.
1: Yeah, so he's, um, so you know, he's, he's finding a new planet. Well, it starts off with the uh, the ransacking of a little village by uh, what appears to just be um, uh, some kind of some kind of gang uh, is the best way I can describe it.
0: They're bandits. Just <clears throat> yeah, your, yeah. They're run yeah. of the mill bandits.
1: Yeah, just bandits. So, um, so it starts off that way. Uh, they're they're ransacking this village, stealing some of their their resources. Um, and then after that, it cuts to uh, Mando and his and his little his little kid, uh, the the Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, so he, he finds his way on, on this planet. And, uh, so that's how, that's how it starts off. Uh, from there, he, he is, uh, he shows up in, and I guess what you could call a city or a town, whatever would be can you know what that would be considered on this planet because it seems like a very uh you know it's a very backwards non-technological planet which is why he goes there
0: yeah it, it feels um this feels like a very sort of old west town that you would have seen in um in, in like a spaghetti Western, like For sure. the saloon, they go the, the saloon or restaurant, yeah. whatever he's going to feels like one of those places. Yeah. That's just like a few boards thrown up and yes. he happens to have like a few jugs of alcohol in there.
1: Yeah. That's, so. that, that makes a lot, a lot of sense. Um, So he goes in there and then uh, <clears throat> that is where he notices um, uh, Cara Dune and I, I guess he he's he's asking the whatever waitress about her. Um, doesn't get a whole lot of information out of her, and then then notices that she's gone. Uh, goes out to look for her, and they get into a fight because she basically ambushes him. Um. And then, um, geez, I'm losing, losing my train of thought here. He, cause he, I Um, guess they go.
0: Basically they get into a fight. Um, and then they uh, realize that they're both trying to hide out. They're not, neither of them are after uh, each uh, other. Right.
1: And then, and then she says, you know, I was here first. Uh, you know, I found this planet first and, and tells him to leave. Um. And then
0: he seems seems pretty cool with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he's, he's ready to leave. And then, uh, as he's, he's packing up and, and getting ready to leave, he gets approached by some villagers who want to hire him to, um, dispose of said earlier bandits. Um, which at first he, he's not interested in, uh, you know he tells them they don't have enough money so he's like you know no that's not enough uh, and then i guess he changes his mind when he discovers that they have lodging they can give him uh, then he goes to seek the help of Cara Dune, gets her uh gets her to help help with this and uh, they get they make they get get to the village and uh at that point
0: yeah they they I, scout out they go to the village i think they scout out the bandits right
1: right and that's when they discover that there's there's actually a scout walker there and and at that point they're kind of ready to throw in the towel they're like no we're not we're not doing this cuz you didn't tell us they had that you know an atst um but then there's you know there's that uh there's that speech about uh <clears throat> you know getting helping helping us fight you know t- teach us to fight and it was a very um clone wars feeling moment to um, me.
0: yeah well i mean this whole this whole episode is um, Another Seven Samurai. Uh, yeah. Sort of adaptation, homage. Yeah, yeah. And.
1: But yeah, this. And so
0: a lot of those similar elements are going to be popping up.
1: Right, right. Because this, this scene kind of reminded me of the beginning of the. Or toward the beginning of the uh, Onderon story arc in. Uh, <clears throat> in Clone Wars. Yeah, and I think.
0: And there's a there's a more direct Seven Samurai episode I think in Clone Wars 2.
1: Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah, it's But uh, uh, I think I know which one you're talking about, but cause
0: that's the Bounty Hunters, I think.
1: Right. Yes. Yes, that's yeah. That's a much better much better comparison. Um but at that point, so they train the uh they train the villagers to fight and and then they they dig this large hole because they're setting a trap for the scout walker, um, and then they go find the uh, Mando and and uh, and Cardoon go and find the hideout and blow up some stuff and can you know get get them to chase them. Um. Oh, another another thing that happened during all of this is that the. The uh, the child kind of uh, becomes almost like a like a friend to the village children. They're, they're...
0: Yeah, Baby Yoda gets uh, along with the kids. Uh, yeah. They like watching out Baby Yoda, yeah. and our friend uh, the Mandalorian starts to get soft with. Uh, let me see if they gave her a name.
1: Oh yeah, uh, is it Omera?
0: <clears throat> yeah, uh, they have her listed as Omera O'Mara in there, but uh, she is. That's Ferris, right?
1: Yeah, she's. Yeah. I mean, she's one of the villagers. Yeah, and... she's the
0: the main. Uh, we learned that she's a widower. She has the daughter that uh, initially is watching the the baby Yoda, and and they sort of connect. Um, She asks him about him taking off his helmet, and that's when we learn that uh, he hasn't taken his helmet off since he was taken in by the Mandalorians, it seems, since he was issued the helmet. And if he takes it off, he's not allowed to.
1: If he it takes off on. in
0: front of someone, I guess. Yeah, yeah. He's not allowed to put it back on.
1: Right. Um
0: Which I feel so... like has <sighs> No, I'm sure it's not, it's, it's probably nothing.
1: What? no, what are you thinking?
0: I just like when when they have relationships, I wonder if it's like they must have like special rules for like marriage and stuff yeah of, like i imagine like weird Amish people with uh
1: well maybe maybe they can only have relationships with other mandalorians that would make sense <clears throat> and, and like... uh and so he can, you can remove your helmet in front of them um but yeah so that was uh That was an interesting little <clears throat> peek into his background. Yeah, and, we, um, and we see
0: during the training that O'Mara has some sort of um, history with shooting. She mm-hmm. seems to be the only villager that knows how to handle a gun. Yeah. She is very good okay. with her blaster rifle.
1: Yeah. Uh. So, okay, so the... The... um. They they go into the to the camp the raiders camp uh, bandits camp and they provoke them into moving they lead the the scout walker to the trap but it, it kind of stops just short of of the trap and then uh, you know they have a little bit of battle with with the bandits and then finally uh, Cardoon's able to to lure the the scout walker into the into the little the pit. Uh, by kind of hiding up against the pit and um so it gets into the pit and then and then mando blows it up, and that causes the rest of the uh rest of the bad guys to to run away <clears throat> and uh and at that point they they move on to you know the the village is is kind of peaceful now and he he decides he's going to leave. Uh, baby Yoda there with the village because the, the kids seem to like him and he seems to like the, be you know he seems to be happy there with the kids and uh, so he's gonna you know this he's gonna go off and and do his do his Mandalorian thing um so that's the plan until uh they discover that there is a bounty hunter after him. Um, well, either after him or after the child, either way. Uh, and, but they, they track him, they track him to where he's at. And then, and then, uh, Cardoon actually ends up killing him. Uh, and so at that point, uh, the Mandalorian realizes that, um, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep looking for him. So they know where he's at. So there's no point in keeping the child there. So then he takes off. Uh, you know, after a, a brief farewell with Cara Dune, he, he takes off and uh, takes off with the child. Um, <clears throat> so one other thing I wanted to speak generally about the episode is that it is the second Star Wars project that is directed by a female Uh, It was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who, uh, up until this point, mostly know her as an actress rather than a director. Because I I don't know of a whole lot of stuff that she has directed. No, Um, she's
0: never... um... Let me see. But I think she's only directed like shorts and like documentary type stuff.
1: I think she did a music video.
0: Yeah. So this would be like her first like narrative driven. Yeah. Sort of standard uh, fiction.
1: Yeah. Because because before this she was. Let's see. She was in the original Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi trilogy. Um, she was in Terminator Salvation she was in one or maybe even more than one of the Twilight movies uh, and she was in the the later uh, Jurassic World movies
0: yeah I think most people would recognize her from Jurassic World
1: yeah sure Um, so, but as a director, yeah, I haven't, not, not really a whole lot that, uh, so she's fairly new to this. So it's, it's interesting that not only did they, uh, choose another female director, which is great, uh, but basically somebody who's fairly new to that type of job.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth mentioning her father is, uh, Ron Howard,
1: Oh, you know, I did not know that.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Her okay. father is Ron Howard, but uh, they're huh. usually pretty good about. I've never seen them together doing stuff, and okay, she. I don't think she's ever acted in a Ron Howard project. Project that I can I can think of maybe really early on. Yeah. Huh. Um. But uh.
1: Interesting.
0: Maybe. But, yeah, she's she is Ron Howard's daughter. So she has, like, some connections there. Yeah. Um, you know, Deborah Chow, who directed last week's episode, is a veteran of a directing uh, uh, these sort of TV shows. Yeah. Uh, I think specifically action as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so this is someone taking, like, a first shot at it.
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as, you know, if you're looking from a director standpoint, uh, she did a good job.
0: Yeah. Um, I would any the, the, the things that I I have, like, trouble with with this episode are probably more to do with the writing. Um, this is probably the first time that I felt an episode should have gone ahead and been longer fleshed out some stuff. Yeah. Um, Because one of the things about, like, Seven Samurai is one element in that film is we know exactly how many bandits there are. You know, there's 30 bandits. Yeah. And throughout the course of the movie, you know, they kill a bandit or two and they cross them off the list. And so you're there every time, every time a bandit is killed it is significant yeah and it heightens uh the action there because it's like oh my gosh good one more bandit down and when you don't have an idea of how large that force is it just feels like nameless wave after nameless wave of bad guy yeah so like you know when the mando walks into that room and it's like there are four stormtroopers in this room and he has to take care of all four right and you know when they're when they're taking and so each one is pretty significant, in taking him down to moving towards the end of the action.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, and uh, I would have liked to have more fleshed out about Omera's uh, character. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, I think she's, I think she's a really interesting character, and I just would have liked to see more from her.
1: Yeah.
0: Or uh, oh, who my. was her husband? Um. Yeah. cuz she doesn't seem like someone who belongs in this village of
1: Yeah. farmers. I, can you get the impression that she also is hiding? Yeah. But they didn't yeah. really touch on that.
0: And you don't have to do like a full like backstory and explain why she knows how to do everything. Yeah. Just I just want to know just a little bit more. And you know, it, in Clone Wars, this this episode would have been you know, a two or three episode arc.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: And it, and it just feels a little squished here. I think Mm -hmm. having, because another part of the seven samurai that I really like is the sort of camaraderie and the sort of experienced veterans working on this, working on this and why they choose to do it. Um, is when you have the seven samurai, they're all there, uh, Kind of out of a sense of honor, yeah. Honor. Some of them are doing it for money. One, you know, someone's doing it because they want to gain status. Someone's doing it because uh, they're old and they don't they don't want to see all these young guys get messed up. Yeah. There's a lot of different reasons for why they're taking on this job, yeah. Um, and you get to see that sort of balanced <laughs> out. It's not something you get here, and it's not that's not to say it has to do that. Yeah. But when you're echoing that series so hard, yeah, because, it's, because that's also an element in uh, the Magnificent Seven remake.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah,
0: is the relationship between those guys. Yeah, and we get a little bit of that between Cara Dune and the Mandalorian, and yes. those are probably some of the best parts of this episode.
1: I, I agree. Like, like for me, in in no way was this a bad episode. It just no. it missed the mark on a couple of things. Uh, but for me, Cara Dune uh, kind of made the episode for me.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, like, I think you could have had a really cool – if this first episode was just getting set up, scouting the bandits, mm-hmm. them mingling with the villagers, building relationships, maybe a skirmish or two. Yeah. with bandits and then the next episode was just like the big battle that would have been huge i think yeah. that would have been really cool yeah this and people would have said like this this episode is really slow or something but then your next episode would be a, a guaranteed banger
1: yeah and, and the thing about the next episode is um or or, or like this episode is it just like episode three, it kind of ends on a, okay, what's going to happen next? Like you you really have no idea what's going to happen because he's, he left just like, just like in episode three, the end of it, he leaves. We have no idea where he's going.
0: Yeah. Well, now it feels kind of like a serial, um, yeah. almost I mean, you could almost imagine like the Hulk music playing yeah. thing, as <laughs> David Banner's going to the next town to get mixed up in whatever he's getting mixed up in. The That's the old yeah. television series for yeah. Uh, yeah. younger viewers, <laughs> your listeners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, starting to, it's starting to feel like uh, skirmish of the week.
1: Yeah.
0: And I and I hope it's and I hope it's I don't know. I don't know if I if I I would like that or not. I mm-hmm. probably need to see more episodes. You know, see more episodes see how it goes. But, you know,
1: so episode 5 is going to be uh a little bit off the normal path uh, of the first 4 because uh, the first four were written by John Favreau, whereas episode five or chapter five rather is going is is being written and directed by Dave Filoni.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: So yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what Dave does with this character, um, uh, having kind of taking on both both parts. Did you writer, see any previews
0: for this next episode? I did not. Do we know what characters or anything? Cause I think we heard Cara Dune would be in this episode. Have you heard anything for the I, next?
1: No, I have heard nothing about this one. It okay. seems, it seems very tight lipped on this one. Um, hopefully we'll be hearing something about that soon. Uh, but as far as the first season of this show goes, uh, this next chapter will be the only one where Dave Filoni has a, a writing or directing role. And in this case, he has both. Because uh, mm-hmm. the the one after that is uh, completely different. It's, it's not written by John or <coughs> Dave. Uh, it's written by Christopher Yost. Or Yost. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, and will be uh directed by Rick Fa, uh Famo Yiwah I'm sure I just butchered that <laughs> so I apologize Rick <laughs> uh, um and then uh and then Deborah Cho will be doing the 7th uh that'll be written by John Favreau and then the last one of season 1 is also written by John Favreau uh but will be Directed by uh, Tiki Wata. Wa, wa, how do you pronounce that? Watiti. Uh,
0: Taika Watiti.
1: Taika Watiti. Yeah. So the the next few are are going to be interesting as they're they they're, uh, uh, they're going to be uh, very secretive as, as far as what it can, I can tell so far. They're not yeah. really not really. Uh, talking too much about it.
0: Well, what do we have so far? We have, we still need to see, um, oh, I cannot remember his name.
1: Um, well, we haven't the seen Grand
0: Moff character, uh, Giancarlo Esposito.
1: His that character. Is true. Uh,
0: and then we know that, uh, Bill Burr and, um,
1: yeah, yeah. We haven't seen Bill Burr yet. Um,
0: I think those are the only, like, known characters I can think of.
1: Yeah, Bill Burr and, from... and... Yeah. And, the Moth Gideon is the character that Esposito is playing. Yeah. Uh... So... Um... I, can, I Yeah, I don't... I can't think of any other... Well, uh... Ming na Wen is supposed to be in it too, at some point in time.
0: Right. Yeah, Ming na Wen is supposed to show up. Yeah. And I think because she's only in, my recollection is that she was only going to be in one episode.
1: Uh, I wonder if that's just going to she's just going to be in the last one. Yeah, because uh, she's I playing guess...
0: some sort of assassin or
1: something. Yeah, yeah, she plays a yeah she plays an assassin. Um. I I also read somewhere that uh Mark Boone Jr is supposed to show up in this in this show but I they have not said who he's going to be or what episode um but he's he's been in a lot of stuff he was as far as TV he was in Sons of Anarchy uh but he's been in a lot of movies uh which yeah. is where I mostly know him from
0: I think a lot of people might recognize him from uh, Batman Begins.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's one
0: of the dirty cops in that. Right. Uh, he has a very distinctive, like he's a big guy, uh, grayish hair, long yeah. curly hair, long gray beard.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, he was also in the movie um, to take you a ways back. Though is uh, John Carpenter's Vampires.
0: Oh. Yeah, uh, back in the eighties,
1: uh, late nineties, late nineties. Yeah, okay. Um, but yeah, so there's there's still some characters that we have not seen. Uh, but but again, we still have we still have four episodes left to go. So there's plenty. Of, I mean, really, there's plenty of time.
0: Yeah, and I I think like the only thing is I would still. Like for him to be picking up, <laughs> building a crew. I mean, I would have liked to see Cara Dune get on that ship along with I Have Spoken. Yeah, and I think that would have been what yeah. a great and then like little uh, baby Yoda on there. <laughs> yes, I mean, I don't know. That's what I want to see, but you know, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, something else about this episode is, I think it really. I really expected a villager to die in this episode. Yeah. Uh, someone significant and I think the fact that no one did die and there was like no losses or anything like that. I think we're going to see see that this show is going to be a kind of clean.
1: Yeah, and you it's interesting that you you bring that up, but I I actually did I thought that Omera was going to die. I think, um, uh, and and the, and the scene where I thought it would happen, I thought it was going to be the scene where she's trying to take off his helmet.
0: Oh, with the the sniper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. he it really bounce th-
0: off his helmet and.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and kills her, but no, that did not happen. So. Um,
0: yeah, because I was thinking uh, the two farmers. That at first approach him. And uh, we see them in the battle trying to figure out how to use their sticks. Yeah. Uh, I thought they were prime to die during that battle. Um, yeah. But again, that stuff does also doesn't work as well when you don't know the characters as well. Yeah. So, because um, one of those guys is also, that's another uh, appearance of a comedic actor, uh, Eugene Cordero. Oh, right. Uh, people might, I know, I recognize him from, uh, he's recently was in the good place. Um,
1: um, okay. So
0: crazy ex girlfriend. He's on, um, he's been on Brooklyn nine, nine, a lot of comedy shows. He makes appearances. Um, I think he was, uh, UBC or UCB. The, uh, the improv the improv school in chicago i think he's from there but uh but yeah just just another occurrence of a comedy actor in the in Man- the mandalorian yeah but uh but yeah i think i am i'm a little disappointed that they didn't take that next step and just sort of just mm-hmm. Take, make you like a character and kill them off.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: I mean, I mean, this is, this is a big battle. Like there's, I I have a hard time believing that It's like no, no casualties.
1: Yeah. They, uh, uh yeah, another, another area where they kind of missed the mark on this one. And like you said, that had more to do with the writing than the directing, uh, but uh, So, I mean, that's, that's really it as far as, as Chapter 4 goes. Of course, we'll do our Chapter 5 next week. Um, so that will bring us to our list for this week, which is um, Top 5 Original Trilogy Moments. Um, so, so maybe you want to explain uh, what we mean by moments.
0: Well, I think what we mean by moments is whatever we feel like putting on our list <laughs> <laughs> about okay. the original trilogy. Okay. Um, I, I sort of did – some of them you might count as moments. Some of them are just kind of scenes. Yeah. And yeah. sort of what I sort of reflected on and thought about from those scenes and yeah. – Uh, Some of this is personal. Some of this is, I think universal. Yeah. So
1: I think. Yeah. A lot of this is like what, like moments in the films of the original trilogy that kind of had uh, some sort of impact on you. If that's, that's the best way I can think of to describe it.
0: Yeah. And I, I, think I just sort of went off when I think about the original trilogy what are the moments and scenes that pop to the front of my head?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, and that I can talk about.
1: And so, yeah. So those would be, this will be interesting. You want to go ahead and start off or do you want me to start off?
0: Uh, yeah, I'll go ahead and start. Um, okay.
1: So start we'll with start my with number number your, five. your number five. Okay. Uh,
0: from return of the Jedi. Uh, yub nub. Or uh, the ending clapping scene scene from Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Um, I think all three movies, I think do something uh, really nice in the way that they do end with all the characters together. uh, It's a little bit more morose in Empire Strikes Back, Mm -hmm. but Return of the Jedi, it's, you can call it cheesy. And I think that's probably fair and
1: correct. I could see that,
0: but it's also, uh, I think, wholesome and just sort of feel good. Um, you have all the characters there just finally celebrating. You have the force Ghost there. So even the characters who died are right mm-hmm. there. I mean, except for, uh, hobby, but you know, yeah. uh, but, uh, but yeah, that's just, just a nice scene that I always enjoy seeing.
1: Yeah, it's good. A uh, period of celebration which um, as we learn further in the series, that wasn't really the, the final celebration. You know, that was, that was okay. We destroyed the Death Star. Great. That Like the movie gave you a sense of finality that wasn't really there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say like, I think you look at almost all sort of future franchises yeah. and they kind of borrow this, this kind of like yearbook ending.
1: Yeah, sure, sure.
0: I think um, at the, you know at the end of Harry Potter series, there's um, the three characters together as parents with their kids, mm-hmm. has, and it closes on that. Um, you know the X Men. Never mind. Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs>
1: no, I get I get what you're saying. Uh, my number five is from Empire Strikes Back, and kind of hints at my own little soft spot towards the scum and villainy. Um, and it it really was just a moment. And it's the moment when the camera scans over the line of bounty hunters that are on mm. Vader's ship. You get to see all of these bounty hunters that he's sending out to find the Falcon. Uh, you know, and he does the... Uh, and it's one of the few times that uh, Boba Fett actually speaks. <laughs> so, um, so that was that was my number five. It was just uh, I just like that I got to see all those bounty hunters in one row.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, yeah because that's the famous uh, no disintegrations line.
1: It is, yes. And I was reading. Um, Last night I was reading the book, or bits and pieces of the book, um, from a certain point of view. And there is a, uh, which is a collection of short stories that are uh, written by various authors and talk about, as far as I can tell, they talk about things from uh, all of the trilogies uh, from other characters' points of view. Um. So one of them was was a a short story about Boba Fett that takes place during the Jabba the Hutt solo meeting, and the reason I bring it up is is that he talks about why Darth Vader specifically said to him, "No disintegrations," and it's because he. More or less, you know, not didn't really botch a job, but he killed somebody, disintegrated him, and Vader doesn't, like, he has nothing to produce to prove that the, the asset was terminated. So it's like, I'm not going to pay you because you don't have, yeah, you don't have any way of proving to me that you've done the job, so... But yeah, so that was the the note disintegrations uh, moment. Uh, so your number four,
0: my number four is uh, from A New Hope, okay. the Binary Sunset. Um, mm. Luke uh, going out on his farm up to the hill and looking at the binary sunset when the Force theme plays over it. Yeah, and I just establishing that sense of longing of somewhere bigger and more exciting than where you are right now. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of star Wars, especially the original trilogy is uh, a sort of coming is a coming of age story. Right. That I think can apply to a lot of us. Yeah. It's Like as, as cool as you may think Han Solo is, is we're all really, you know, Luke Skywalker <laughs> when we see those movies. We're little whiny kids.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: it's who uh, want to be involved in a bigger, larger world. Yeah. And, you know, in the course of those movies is him discovering that it's a lot more complicated than he thought it might be. Yeah. But, uh, but that's kind of where, but Binary Sunset is where that feeling first mm-hmm. starts and you first get those tinges tinges of uh the destiny and force yeah. playing through luke's story
1: yeah sure that's that's a good one uh, my number four is also from a new hope and it's a little bit more um broad and, and it, it is the entire cantina scene
0: okay Everything
1: uh. everything about the Cantina scene is just great. You've got the the, the, the patrons that, that it scans across showing all the different species. You've got the iconic music of the of the uh the Cantina band. Um you've got the meeting with Han Solo, you've got the, the standoff between Greedo and Han Solo, just everything that took place in the Cantina was my number four moment.
0: Okay, I am. I'm gonna have more to say about this stuff, but let's <laughs> okay <laughs> go on to uh, to number three. Uh, my number three is from Empire Strikes Back, and that is uh, the scene with Yoda describing the Force. Um, I think really any time. They talk about the force in these movies, from Obi Wan describing the way that it uh, is all around us, penetrates us, mm-hmm. and Yoda describing you know the luminous bodies. Is is always very interesting, and it and really class that I think anyone that has an interest in uh, mythology or religion, uh, it really taps into a feeling of. Wanting to be connected to the world around you, yeah, you know, and and those and those ideas, those ways of describing the force, always seem to tap into that when they're when they're doing yeah. when they work, they tap into that.
1: Yeah, I mean, that this emotion. whole this whole idea that you're tapping into something that is larger than you, mm-hmm. uh, and and the force definitely covers that. Um, so yeah, that's that's a good one. Um my number 3 comes from Return of the Jedi and is the moment when you see uh during the celebration you see the three force ghosts um particularly when you see uh Anakin there you know in whichever whichever iteration you want you know the 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 original one or the one with Haydn with Christensen. Either one kind of had the same effect. Just this whole idea that uh, he has redeemed himself. So now he stands next to these two great Jedi that were such a huge part of Luke's life. And to get to see them all three together as being one with the Force was... Uh, was quite a scene. It's, it's, it was,
0: yeah.
1: uh, yeah, It it
0: feels complete.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It really had an, it really had an impact on me to see them all three together. Um,
0: And uh, my number two is a cheat because mine is the, uh, opening shot of the Cantina scene, okay. the Bounty Hunter scan, and Jabba's palace, okay. which are just – which are all three just look at all those aliens scenes.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> which I always like uh, in these original trilogy movies. Um, it's because there's still uh, – there's that element of sort of like janky makeup work park yeah. you can see in the first one especially that first cantina scene where there's you know <laughs> you have just the devil uh, a werewolf a uh, a gray alien yeah but uh but it's always really fun and interesting I think seeing those designs just sort of put on display um you yeah. just don't get that a lot and like a lot of movies um you may you maybe get like one interesting alien. Alien, but this is. I don't know, you just get to see. These got to go like Buck Wild.
1: Well, you know, that brings up an interesting point is that in the original trilogy and in the prequel trilogy, you get to see a lot of different types of aliens. Like a lot of. You know, they introduce new species. Mm hmm. Uh, you don't see that so much in the sequel trilogy.
0: They have, um, um, I mean, there's oth- Maz's bar in the right, Force Awakens, than, which is supposed oth- to be a cantina.
1: Other and than then, that, and then in, in the, Canto Bright,
0: in Canto Bright, yeah, it's supposed Bright. to be your uh, big alien scene. Yeah, and they just don't, they just don't feel the same as the original trilogy. Um, I I don't know why that is yeah might be just be like time or method i don't know
1: maybe maybe, but, uh, they f- maybe they feel like you know uh you know they've already introduced so many different you know how many can there really be uh
0: yeah but that is
1: like yeah
0: cause those scenes always seem to imply just a larger universe that for mm-hmm. every one alien you see there's a whole species somewhere else yeah and uh, especially with like uh, Java's palace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Palace implies like not just a bunch of aliens, but a bunch of different types of criminals. Yeah. And why are they just hanging out at his palace? Uh, you know, the bounty hunters. Uh, there's just implies, you know, there's this whole system of catching criminals. I mean, how much of the Star Wars lore is created just based on that one scene? Yeah. Well,
1: cause uh, even the Mandalorian introduces a few, uh, new species. Uh, I mean, yeah. actually, only one of them comes to mind right now, but
0: the Horatio Sands. Yeah. Species.
1: But then, I mean, we have seen an Oognaught before, but we've never heard them like talk. Yeah. Talk or or have a developed character, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the alien species are definitely a big part of of Star Wars. Yeah,
0: and I'm and I'm always disappointed when a new property comes out and we're just it's just more humans yeah. in the primary roles. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yeah, I like aliens. I like bounty hunters. I like criminals. I like weirdos. <laughs> and so sure. all those scenes are—they're basically all the same scene. <laughs> yeah. i just look at all these weirdos, so I yeah. kind of grouped them together.
1: Yeah, that's, that's but good. Uh, So that was your number two, two. Yep. Okay. Okay. So my number two is from Empire Strikes Back, and is Luke's first meeting with Yoda. Uh, you know, the first time we get to see Yoda. Uh, we don't know who he is. He just, you know, Yoda or Luke is told to go to Dagobah to beat this, uh, Yoda, this Jedi master and first, uh, person character that he meets is like this, basically this little gremlin who's, uh, kind of, uh, you know, he's kind of a, kind of a little imp. Um, And then, you know, turns out that's Yoda. So that was, uh, I I really liked that scene with with Yoda and the the banging on R2-D2 to get his toy back.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I know, like, as a kid, that was probably one of my favorite scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just this whole, you know, disguising who he is thing because he's not quite... I you know I always wondered is it, was he doing that because he wasn't quite sure who Luke was because it seems to me as strong as he is in the force he should have known who he was. So I always wondered why why did he act that way when they first met? Was it more of a a test on Luke? Possibly? Oh yeah.
0: Cuz I always figured it was it was a test of his patience. Yeah. Because he does I think that is what he immediately says to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan, once uh, once he starts talking. I think he starts mm-hmm. talking to Obi Wan afterwards, and he's yeah, he's like, uh, he's impatient. Uh, he's too old.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: old. And uh-huh. I always yeah, I always took like his messing around with Luke as a test of his patience because Luke Luke does Luke lose his cool in yeah. dealing with him. Yeah,
1: he de- he definitely does. So, so yeah, that one that's my number two moment of the original trilogy.
0: Okay, and then. Takes
1: us to number one.
0: My number one is from A New Hope, and it is uh, Obi Wan uh, telling Luke the story of his father and reflecting on the Old Republic and the Jedi Knights.
1: Oh, man, that should have been on my list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it is one of the best acted scenes. In the entire uh, saga,
1: wow!
0: Um, the way that Obi Wan, uh, the way that Alec Guinness portrays that scene, you can take away so many me- meanings from it, and they're all correct. Mm-hmm. Like the only reason the twist of uh, Luke of uh, Darth Vader being Luke's father works. Is because of the way he did that scene. Yeah, because <laughs> they yeah. didn't know at that point that wasn't that wasn't decided. At that point, it was Darth Vader killed his father.
1: Yeah, yeah. that is
0: literally what happened as far as they knew in that scene.
1: Yeah,
0: but Alan Guinness put so much weight and gravity on it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just uh, it's just well portrayed, and it gives it a lot of uh, a lot of deeper emotions than well, that script called for. And uh, and it's also the first time that we actually hear about Jedi Knights and yeah, the old, we just hear about a lot of stuff in that scene, Clone Wars, yeah, and and sort of like the Cantina scene. This See, is us learning about this wider big world out there.
1: Yeah, and like like we were talking about, uh, I think it may have been last week or. No, it was in our first episode when we were going over our ranking for the movies. Mm-hmm. There was a, a comment that I'd made about Attack of the Clones and how the Clone Wars wasn't what I originally thought it was. Yeah. And that came from this scene. When he talked about this, you know, primarily came from this this scene in New Hope. Is He, he was talking about the Clone Wars and it was like, this sounds like, you know, a way bigger deal than, than it turned out to be. Uh, (laughs) kind of, I don't know. I mean, the clone wars was a big deal, but the clone wars, not, not the show, but just the idea of the clone wars as it is in reality was maybe a little bit, uh, less dramatic. I I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's
0: well, it's off screen for the movies. Yeah, uh, for what what is essentially supposed to be World War Two, yeah. to this universe, it is. It starts at the end of Attack of the Clones, yeah. and then it's ending at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and it's like, what? <laughs>
1: yeah, just... I I
0: don't know what like action adventure story you would tell during that time period that would yeah. just skip World War Two.
1: Yeah, who. And then, but then you also got to think, you know, like, how could they have told that story to make it more iconic, make it as iconic as someone like me originally dreamed about it?
0: Um, Well, I think you, you have to, I I mean, I don't think there's any way you could have done it. Well, I think you have to, you have to sort of rethink that whole trilogy. Yeah. Um, Yeah you basically have to start with Anakin being a little bit younger. Uh, uh, basically Phantom Menace gets squeezed into about like 30 minutes. Yeah. And then you go to older Anakin and the attack of the Clone Wars begin. Yeah. And uh, very early on in the first movie. And it's basically just at least the either that first movie or the second movie is just a straight up. Clone Wars movie It is a yeah. movie about uh this this war and how it brought obi-wan and Anakin together, how it ended up sowing the seeds of why they had to split yeah but anyway that's a whole we well, we'll do a whole thing someday I think about it.
1: yeah, I mean another thing that's interesting about this scene um is. Th- this idea that he he basically lied to luke and and they actually explore that a little bit more uh in that book that I was I was just mentioning from a certain point of view there's a uh one of the stories in it is called master and apprentice uh it's written by Claudia Gray uh and and it focuses on a conversation that obi-wan has uh, with the Force Ghost of his master Qui Gon Jinn, and this conversation takes place after Luke. Uh, y- when they discover the Sandcrawler, the Jawas that got killed, and then Luke takes off towards his home because he's he's afraid that his his aunt and uncle have been killed, which I have. Uh, but it it's it's an encounter that takes place. F- uh while Luke is gone and the conversation they have between, uh, you know, between Master and Apprentice and he talks about how he, he lied or didn't tell the complete truth about Anakin and Qui-Gon basically tells him you had to do that because to have told him the whole truth would have led him right down Anakin's path. It would have confused him. Uh, would have gave him the sense of self doubt. Uh, mm-hmm. Would have would have angered him, and and essentially he would have went down the same path that uh, Anakin did. So basically, it was Qui Gon Jinn saying, "You did what you had to do, and you did the right thing."
0: Yeah, and I think like, and you could argue that, but that's definitely something that Qui Gon Jinn would do and agree with.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so my my number one is another one of those really long moments. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's from Return of the Jedi. And it is the complete... Uh, I guess you want to call it... Confrontation between Luke and Vader and the emperor, uh, specifically the lightsaber duel uh, between Vader and and son um, and the interactions between those two and the emperor uh, culminating in Vader seeing his son in agony and something in him just snaps you know he's been he's been evil. All this time, and then something in him snaps, and he's like, Okay, this can't happen. I gotta kill this old man.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that is. Yeah, because I think I talked about whenever we did our, our list that whenever I think of Return of the Jedi, it is Jabba's Palace and that throne room confrontation. Yeah. Nation that are the best parts of those movies and some of the best stuff in the original trilogy.
1: Yeah. For me, that lightsaber duel and that confrontation in, in the second death star in the, in the throne room, uh, is by far my, f- my favorite part about return of the Jedi.
0: Yeah. Cause that is, that is such an amazing emotional duel between them. Yeah. And that's uh, you know when he cuts off his hand and realizes that
1: uh, you know yeah. we're both yeah
0: you know I'm becoming you know the mechanical monster that my father is the yeah him the first time he throws a lightsaber away mm-hmm. um yeah it, it it really it really completes that arc and yeah. An emotional and satisfying way.
1: Yeah, it was it was a very emotional scene to see those two go at it. Um, so I guess that's it for our list this week.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, what was your What was your number four again?
1: My number four was the Cantina scene.
0: Cantina. Okay. So let's see. So I had one Return of the Jedi. Uh, two A New Hope's, one Empire Strikes Back, and that and I cheated. It's All three. Okay. You had two Empire Strikes Back, two Return of the Jedi, and one A New Hope. Yeah. Which I think is about right. Did you have anything? uh, Was there anything that you had to cut out? Cut out of your list.
1: Um. Not really.
0: Because I ask you that because I had one.
1: Well, I mean, I think the, if I, you know, and see my idea of moments is, you know, I didn't have, there weren't moments. There were like these long scenes that that were very impactful. Um, And I guess if I, if, if one of them, I mean, like I said, that, that conversation between Luke and Obi-Wan really should have been on my list. So I'll have to to give that one an honorable mention. Um, Another one that I thought about putting on the list and at the last minute decided not to, not sure why, but it was really one clip, one moment in the true sense of the word uh, that really had an impact uh, on me was was actually from A New Hope, and it is that very, very first appearance of Darth Vader. Like, the first time you see him.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Just this, you know, like this, holy crap. <laughs> this guy looks like he's going to kill everybody on the ship.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, because you have those, those white hallways, mm-hmm. and you're filing in white stormtroopers. Yep. And then out of this black hole comes just a black figure. Yeah. Yeah. And it is, yeah, it is one of the most iconic character introductions in movie history. Just that whole opening sequence. Yes. Is, yeah. Um, just seeing that long, that long take of the, uh, the star destroyer. Yeah. Is,
1: um,
0: it's pretty. It's, it's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I gotta say. I mean, we we may save. I mean, this may be a list further on down the line, but I I really, as far as starships go, I really like the star destroyers.
0: Yeah, and because uh, that's the Executor, isn't it that that particular ship?
1: Uh no, that was actually like the Executor is a super class star destroyer, whereas this was just a regular Imperial class.
0: Oh, he does. He probably doesn't get the executor until.
1: Yeah, that's not after, Back. Yeah, that doesn't happen until after the Death Star is gone.
0: Yeah, I always forget everything's just janky in yeah. A New Hope. <laughs> it's yeah. just they're all just Star Destroyers. They're all they're all just X wings.
1: Yeah, but I mean, if if you know the super class Star Destroyers are pretty awesome, but for me the Imperial class they just look cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, we'll definitely do a uh, top five starships. starships yeah, uh, yeah. I think after after uh, Rise of Skywalker, we'll do we'll do that. Yeah. There might be some new stuff in there.
1: And we also got to remember we got to start doing, start thinking of uh, some sort of Clone Wars lists uh, as it gets closer to the launch of the new season.
0: Oh yeah, well there's uh, there's lots of Clone Wars stuff we can
1: do. Yeah, there's there's a lot of Clone That's... Wars stuff we can do. I've actually been rewatching the Clone Wars lately. Uh,
0: yeah, I need to do. I, if I, I think if I rewatch it, I'm I'm just going to do the uh, the big arcs.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've watched it. I've I've watched in order. You watched several times. I'm just yeah. I'm doing the same thing. I'm watching certain arcs that I want to. I want to look at, like right now i'm I'm watching like I watched the Mandalorian arc uh a few days ago and then uh, it was either yesterday or the day before I was watching the uh the Onderon story arc uh which of course is the first appearance of Saga era into the series but <laughs>
0: yeah that's yeah that that arc is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good arcs we there, will there we'll, we'll save are. that for one <laughs> we'll of
1: have, our lists. Definitely have to save that. Uh, so next week we'll be doing our recap of uh chapter five of The Mandalorian. Um and then our top five list will be top five prequel trilogy moments. Um so if you're listening to the show and you kind of want to get involved in that, you can uh you can email us uh at rogue one com. Uh let us know what your favorite prequel tr- trilogy moments are and maybe we'll talk about them on the show. Uh and then you can also of course hit us up on our Twitter uh at rogue uh numerical 1 radio and uh let us know what you think? Let us give us your thoughts. Um, and that that closes us out. Is there anything you wanted to close us out on, Charlie? Uh,
0: no. I think I'm I'm pretty good. Um, just uh, just be careful with what you're tweeting, guys. Don't uh, try not to tweet out any any spoilers or anything anything like that when you're on the interwebs. Yeah. Or do and. Get people mad at you. I don't care.
1: It's up <laughs> to you. Just uh no, just just yeah. Just just have a little little decorum out there on the social medias. Especially um, you
0: foreigners who get the movie one day early.
1: <laughs> so you you speaking of, of getting the, the movie one day earlier, um it you know, its official release date is the twentieth, but of course I, I assume that both you and I are going to see it on the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm going to see it with my son-in-law on the uh, – It's I think it's a 6 o'clock showing or maybe a 6.15, somewhere around there. Um,
0: yeah, they keep getting earlier. I, yes, I do. I remember – I think when I, at least when I was in high school, they were still doing just straight up midnight release S-
1: same here yeah i just they just started doing these earlier ones and it was it's just yeah it is a little it's a little odd that they've
0: like to say it comes out the 19th why are we playing games
1: y- yeah i i agree yeah um so yeah i'm mine i'm gonna be going to uh tensiltown uh it's at six fifteen. i just i just looked at my ticket uh so yeah, I'm going to the uh, digital cinema at Tinseltown. I'm not even really sure what that means, but uh,
0: oh, it's not like the like the DX thing, is it? It might be. Ooh, because the, yeah, they they got the DX four D things, yeah, things at the at the Warren now with the shaking seats and they shoot smells at your face. Yeah, uh, I haven't done that yet. Um I was pretty disappointed if they don't if you're watching Frozen and they don't have snow in the room <laughs> what's the point of doing it I don't
1: Yeah so I'm and I'm I'm sure I will see it more than once that weekend so uh but yeah I'll be seeing the the 6:15 show on the 19th so I'm I'm really Obviously, looking forward to that um, as I'm sure you are,
0: yeah, I have the same time uh different theater uh mine does serve alcohol, which is good for people who drink alcohol
1: yeah um,
0: <laughs> yeah uh yeah, it's not quite Alamo Draft house, but <laughs> it's still pretty nice it's a nice theater i enjoy it
1: yeah i've I've actually only been to the Warren once
0: um yeah, it's really cool. Did you have you bit uh, Okay. Well, this is this is very local talk.
1: Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs>
0: uh, but uh but yeah, it's it's a little different since uh Regal took over. over mm-hmm. as it was independently owned by the Warren family for a long long time. And Regal has uh made some changes changes that some are good, some are uh whatever yeah I don't know it's it's what you would expect whenever a big franchise takes over yeah
1: so. all right well, uh I guess that is uh that is it for our show today. uh we'll be back again next week uh again talking uh chapter five and uh talking of our top five prequel moments. Um, So everybody have a good week and uh, just anticipate the uh, next 18 days before we get to see the final chapter of the Skywalker saga. And that's it for us.